0: What's up, everybody? Heath Adams here. And today, I'm proud to bring to you a new podcast called Titan Talks. Titan Talks is going to be conversations with industry leaders, CEOs, tech founders, etc. about their stories, what got them in their industries, what made them who they are today, what are they passionate about, and what can we learn from them about their come up and bring that and incorporate that into our lives. So, Our first guest today is Dave Kennedy. He is the founder of TrustedSec. He is the founder of Binary Defense, and he's also the founder of DerbyCon. Uh, He's done a lot of great things for the tech and security space, and I'm really proud to have him on as a guest. I'm actually geeking out just a little bit. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on Dave Kennedy. All right, Dave Kennedy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much
1: for having me on today. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, thank you. Um, been a huge fan of yours for a long time. It's actually nice to get down to sit and talk with you. I think we've chatted a little bit in the past with ILF and you know, Chris was there, but um always wanted to meet you in person and uh, have not been able to. It feels like we're always at the same conferences, like we were at Wild West Hacking Fest, we were at B Side yeah. Charlotte, and it feels like our days never lined up. So actually getting to sit down and talk with you is is awesome.
1: Yeah, no, appreciate it. Yeah, it's always crazy and, and hectic when you're at conferences, you know, you get like, okay, which talks do I go to? Or especially if you're running a conference at DerbyCon, I was like always running around like a madman trying to figure out everything that was going on. But uh, yeah, no, good good to be with you uh, uh, virtually, you know, uh, hopefully we get to do yeah. it again uh, soon uh, here in a little bit in person. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, thanks again for having me on. It's, it's, I look forward to, uh, to our conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll start with, uh, I'll start with your, I guess, beginnings. Uh, you're, you're from Ohio, right?
1: I am. Not many people say that, but uh, born and raised from uh, Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio, uh huge Cleveland Browns fan, uh, you know, the Cavs, uh, the Indians, you know, I'm big into sports. Uh, I really like uh, that kind of group with that as a kid and all my kids are into sports. So, but uh, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, did a little bit of a stint in the military, but uh, have pretty much always been here my entire life.
0: Gotcha. And so when you were, you're growing up, that's actually one of the questions I have for you. So I'll touch on it now is you were, were you a part of sports? You play basketball. I know you're a huge Cavs fan, but did you play basketball, or football? Are or- you? Are you competitive? I played. I
1: played basketball for a little while. the the, the problem I always struggled with was uh, I was always an overweight kid, so I, I struggled with obesity pretty much my entire life, except for when I was in the Marines. Uh, and uh, you know, structured structured you know physical fitness every single day kind of kind of does that to you. Uh, plus they also starve you too. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I played basketball. Uh, my um my freshman and and uh, uh sophomore years, and then after that, kind of got out of it. Uh, but I've always been a huge fan of it. Uh, just never really athletically gifted in any way, shape or form. I'm, I'm right now. I'm great at rebounds. I'm a bigger guy now, so I can, I can handle the rebounding and stuff like that, but you don't want me shooting threes. That's for sure.
0: And you're, you're fairly tall, right? I am. I'm, I'm
1: six, four. Uh, and, uh, I've always been, been a very tall kid. I mean, I sprouted up really early on and, uh, you know, it never really stopped growing. I feel like, uh, in fact, uh, funny story. I, you know, I've been running in size 14 shoes pretty much my entire life. And I always had like knee and ankle pain and things like that. And I actually went to a store and they're like, yeah, you, you literally have needed to be in a size 15 your entire life. So uh, that, that made a huge difference in, in uh, walk and run and everything else. (laughs) So
0: that's good. Yeah. Uh, So, so with that, I guess like touching on your childhood with you being a tech guy, were you a tech kid? Like, did you, Do you, were you had a computer like early on and were you coding early on? Like what were you some of your early, I guess, tech experiences?
1: Yeah, for, for me, computers were kind of a a safe haven for for, you know, I had a I had a great life growing up, you know, uh, great parents, um, but they were on the the lower income um side of the house. And so we moved from place to place to place a lot. So I, you know, I moved from Willowick to Wycliffe to you know Lynnhurst to Perry'sburg to Bedford, you know, and, you know, all within a short time frame because my parents would, you know, go to job, the job, whatever would fit best for, for the, the jobs that they're looking for. And so I never really had an opportunity to make really good friends, um, you know, at these different schools, because you're basically going into a new environment, you're there for a year, then you go somewhere else. Um, and so for me, computers really became uh, my my area of interest and, and really where I started focusing a lot of my efforts in. So, you know, prior to, to video game graphics and things like that, and when the Nintendo, uh, you know, uh, was Nintendo was coming out and Super Nintendo and those ones, um, I found a home in in what we call multi-user dimensions or MUDs, um, which were all text-based games that you used to play. You know, you used to type north and east and west and kill and bash and cast spells and things like that. And um, ended up becoming a mod for one and started picking up a lot of C programming um, skills back then uh, because I ran basically a, a very, very large MUD with a bunch of other folks. And so I started getting into to programming at a really young age, um, developing games, uh, things like that and um, started really homing in. And, and this is really when security was starting to get, you know, fairly hot around, you know, 1995, 94. And, um, you know, obviously, DEF CON started coming out. And, you know, he had all these really cool folks like the Call of the Dead Cows and the Schmoo group and all of those and, you know, kind of this excitement around the security industry. So I really started taking a, a major interest in in cybersecurity and its early stages and trying to learn from there, um, you know, playing around with early Trojans, like Sub-7 and things like that, trying to figure them out. and you know, I think I got my Windows 95 box compromised and someone was ejecting my CD, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, when I was in an IRC chat room or something like that when I was early on. Yeah. Um, you know, so so trying to figure, you know, computers out has always been a really big niche for me that I've always loved and, and really found my home in that. And then when I um, got out of school, you know, I, I did horrible in school. Like I, I hated school. I'd always like skip school and go play video games or, you know, figure out coding or things like that or build computers. Um, and so I never really cared about school as much. And so when I got out of school and I graduated, I actually had to go to summer school to to, to pass. Um, You know, I had to, uh, I had a decision to make whether or not, you know, I I go to college, I go and try to find a job, or if I go into the military and I almost joined the army, but the recruiters at the army station were like not happy with, with their jobs. And they were all just like disgruntled and kind of like didn't like life. I'm like, well, do I really want to join a branch where everybody hates like what they do? And I started walking on, I saw these like four like ripped Marines walking in sync, you know, like these muscles bulging. And I was this overweight kid. And I'm like, man, I wanna be that, right? You know, I wanna be like this muscular, like ripped dude, you know, that, that walks out of the thing and looks awesome. And uh, so I went in and signed on the Marines uh, dotted line and I joined um, the, the signals intelligence side, the military intelligence uh, side of the, the Marine Corps. And uh, you know, they homed in a lot of my uh, computer skills and learned a ton from them uh, that I've been able to use that to progress throughout the rest of my career.
0: So was was the decision to join the Marines something that was uh, you know, something you had in your mind, not just the Marines, I guess the military. Was that something you had in your mind for a while, like as growing up, or did you have an idea as to what you wanted to be, or is it something something that just kind of spawned after, you know, I'm not sure where, where my grades are at? I don't know if I'm gonna get into a it. good college. So maybe I'm gonna go into the, the military. What was your, I guess, your decision making there?
1: Yeah, you know, um I, I knew that 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 academia wasn't really my area of focus, right? Because I just didn't do well at school. I didn't, I didn't enjoy studying books. And, and and I have I have a tough time learning from books, I, I'm a hands on person where I have to do it myself and figure things out and kind of figure out a puzzle. And it's perfect for security, because you're like, you're literally doing things that no one's ever done before, and you have to figure out this puzzle. So it's just like, racks your mind. I mean, there's times where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run into an issue when I'm coding. And my and my my wife knows, like, like, Dave's basically non-communicable than the rest of the day today because he can't figure out this problem you know i can't communicate with him because his brain's just you know going like this trying to figure out this this issue <laughs> there's times where i woke up at two o'clock in the morning and then figured out a python issue and then you know rewrote my code and figured it out so you know my, my my mind works a lot differently than i think folks that 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 traditionally can learn off of books and learn from other folks and so for me um you know hands-on approaches was always a big deal and you know when so, so i knew school wasn't the right option for me especially coming out and, and i was like well I can go and I can try to find a job, you know, um, around the computer technology space, IT space, you know, maybe even security. Um, you know, at the time, you didn't need a lot of experience to join the security. You didn't need a, uh, you know, a degree or you didn't need a, you know, a certification or things to that effect. It was really kind of an open playing ground, uh in its early adoption. And I, I looked at the Marines and I was like, well, one, that's going to give me some discipline that I didn't have. Um, two, you know, weight has always been a major problem of my life, and the Marines will put me into a structured program where I can make myself better and improve myself. Uh, and three what was really nice about the marines and the navy um, is that when you take your asvap test which is the aptitude test to um you know what your scoring is going to be and what uh what you're called your mos your military occupation school is going to be your 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 job the marines in the navy are the only ones that guarantee you your job profession so when i tested high on the asvap i tested very high in the asvap they're like hey you can go into whatever you want to so i'm like well i'm going to go into signals intelligence because i want to learn about ufos right uh, and, you know, you know, obviously being a 17 year old kid, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a top secret clearance. I'm be able to figure out if there's aliens, you know, and I can also do computers and, and some cool stuff <laughs> like computers and, and hacking crypto and things like that. And uh, funny story, I, uh, my buddy, Sean, my, one of my best friends growing up as a kid, right before I, I went into the military, I had my top secret clearance. I'm like, listen, man, if I call you at like two o'clock in the morning, and I just say, yes, there's aliens. And, uh, and I hang up the boat, right? <laughs> I never made that call, unfortunately, uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's one of those ones where you're like, you know, as a kid, it was it was an exciting opportunity for me. And um, what was really great about the Marines is that it really um, homed in my 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 area of expertise, of focus um, on what I wanted to do. And I got really lucky of, of where I was stationed at. So I was really able to pl- apply a lot of my computer skills into a really up and coming area, which is cyber warfare. Um, in the military intelligence side, which really you know was was relatively new uh, adoption-wise for for using that inside the the military itself. Um, so it was it was a great experience. Learned a lot. Uh, for me, the military was was one of those things that really kickstarted my entire career off. And I I really look back at it as like, it's one of the most best. De- it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire life. You know, looking back historically.
0: Gotcha. And so you you come out of the military, right? And uh, like, so what? Two thousand five. Is that pretty? Yeah, That's spot on. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and and so you are you knowing what you want to do next when you leave, or do you have a job offer in place, or is it kind of is it kind of like, hey, I know I want to work in cybersecurity, but I don't know what I want to do yet.
1: Yeah, you know, when I when I got out of or when I was getting out of the military, um, I was pretty active, um, at least, um, on the surface around a couple of different groups. Um, IRC was was really big then. Internet Relay Chat was was really big then. Still, still is now, but. Um, you know, there was these these different groups that I kind of hung, hung around with, but one of the, the core groups that I hung around with was a, a group called Remote Exploit, uh, which, uh, you know, eventually became the offensive security folks. Um, at the time, you know, it was Mutz and a few other folks. They had created a distribution at the time called, I think it was Wapix and iWax. Eventually, you know, Auditor was a competitor at the time and eventually, you know, became Backtrack and eventually became Kali Linux. And I became very good friends with Mutz, uh, Maddie Arrhony, um, um, that started that, that whole kind of group. And Mutz was really... Uh, one of the key people, I think that, you know, when you when you come into this this industry, uh, finding somebody that will dedicate time and that will be your mentor and that can teach you, um, I think is extremely important because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that you can learn off from an experience perspective, and and that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm, I'm a sponge when it comes to information. Like, you know, if someone's done something, I can look at that and I can say, okay, how did they figure this out, and how can I figure this out in my own way. Um, you know, and that, that helps me learn, um, as well as somebody to guide you forward, um, and where you should go based on what you want to do. You know, Mutz was, was really in tune to that and really took the time to help other people out. And so Mutz and I became best friends, like literally like brothers, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, throughout the years and, and, uh, really helped me, you know, it's like, Hey, I know, you know, C and stuff like this, but he's like, pick up Python. It'll be an awesome program. You know, the first way you should learn Python is by making your own program that you want to, that, that. know, does something that you didn't think you can do. And so the first program that I ever wrote in Python was FastTrack, which was a a exploitation framework for for automation uh, around everything from SQL injection to buffer overflows to, you know, Microsoft SQL, whatever, you know, it was it was an automation framework for exploitation that I automated a lot of the steps that I would do on a penetration test. So, you know, IRC and a community was really big for me, Um, you know, kind of getting out of the military. and, And as I started going into the civilian life, and when I came home, um, I, I interviewed with a few different places. Um, I done you know ones with like the the big Department of Defense uh, contractor ones, um, but I found a, a small consulting shop that was actually located in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, called Secure State. And uh, Secure State at the time, you know, was I think there were like maybe four or five people, um, you know. And and uh, I had met um, their owners. There's two owners there, Scott and Ken, and uh, met with them while I was home on leave. Um, uh, when i was coming out of the military right before i got out and they actually gave me a job offer as a, a junior security consultant to kind of come in and 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 join their ranks and kind of start up and eventually i ended up running the entire consulting practice you know became a partner in the company and, you know our, our, our team blew from five people blew up from five people to i think at the end you know when i left there was like 60 folks or so um so i got a lot of experience early on um as a consultant and that's one thing that i i i, I look back at is is one of the biggest catalyst for my knowledge increase was was when I joined a consulting organization because I was able to see so many vast different things that I had to know and I had to learn I had to pick up quick because you're going in there as a consultant where they're looking at you as the the technical expert, right? So you need to understand everything you're doing. So you're learning so much, you know, whether it's active directory infrastructure, protocols, uh, wire captures, you know doing wireless uh, you know attacks, whatever it ends up being, even physical assessments. I remember my first physical assessment I ever went on you know, I was a nervous wreck, you know, like I had a pit in my stomach, I was sweating profusely, I was nervous, I was like, you know, you know, all these different experiences that, that that get you to learn, Um, consulting really helped me kind of amplify that. And then from there, really, you know, build off of the foundation of what I had, you know, uh, as well as, you know, really expand my knowledge and start to do some really cool things, Um, you know, in this industry. So that's kind of how I got out and transitioned from, uh, you know, the military to the civilian life. And uh, it was a great transition, learned a ton excuse me, a ton right in between as we went through it all.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on a a couple of good things there that I I share with people that are, you know, asking for advice. And one of them is always find a good community that you can surround yourself with, whether it's Discord or Slack. There's so many opportunities now and so much more interest, uh, I would imagine, than, you know, in cybersecurity. And so being able to find community and being able to give back to that community, I think, pays its dividends. Um, especially like when I was coming up, just doing my OSCP, I was in a couple of groups and, um, I would be helping other people out doing their, their certification stuff. And they'd help me and you kind of make friends and you network that way. And when it comes time for a job opportunity or something along those lines, uh, a lot more doors are going to open to you. Um, and, and on top of that, when you're talking about the, you know, the consultancy, Uh, A lot of people, I think, want to dive right into, you know, being for for our field hacking or or however it is, they want to hack maybe internally or go work for a company where it's an internal red team, which is great, but you're kind of limiting yourself to what that infrastructure is and what they are providing you. If you go do a consultancy, you're going to see 10 businesses, you're going to see 10 different infrastructures. Um, So you're going to learn all different kinds of stuff, right?
1: Yeah. And you're doing everything from, you know, helping build firewalls to, you know, just like off the wall things that, that. It's not just hey, I'm doing an internal external penetration test. You're learning application security. You're learning wireless. You're learning, you know, you're learning all these different things that that continuously build you as a well-rounded individual, um, so you can go in any direction that you want to, that you, you personally like. And and to hit on that the point around community, you know, that's why I, I feel so obliged, you know, to to give back to community all the time. You know, with everything that I do in my career is because, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without the help of others that helped help me through my career. Um, as I went through and that community aspect and learning off of others is so valuable um, to folks to, to really teach our next generation to get them into the uh, into the fold and to, you know, have that pay dividends where, the, you know, the industry is better off because of that, because of new people that are coming in and being more welcoming and accepting of, of everybody. Um, that's really, really important. And, um, you know, you didn't have that a lot back then, you know, the, these communities of of, of of acceptance and 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 anybody's welcome to the industry. It was a very closed off industry you know, in the nineties and early two thousands, you know, it, you, you, had your, your groups and that was kind of how it was. You go to DEF CON and you know, you, you literally couldn't talk to people or interact with people. It was, it was a very different um, type of field than it is today. And uh, I think we've made a ton of progress in that front. And I think, you know, we're, we're, we're teaching the next generation of folks to, to, to take over where we left. Right. And that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing.
0: Yeah, it's great. Um, so, so touching on, on this. So from, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but in two thousand five, you know, you're working at this job. At any point, are your wheels spinning yet? For hey, I want to start a company. Is that something that you you were thinking about, or is it kind of later on in the future when you're you're thinking about that?
1: It was it was for me. It was it was really later on in the future. You know, so I was at Secure State from I think two thousand five to I want to say two thousand nine, and um, I had a friend. So one of the partners that that used to work at at Secure State left and went to uh, Diebold. Um, and became their their CIO, their chief information officer, and uh, you know ha- had a great run there. And he was very security minded as well, so he kind of acted in dual acted in dual roles. And uh, we ended up you know still communicating with one another. And eventually, um, I left uh, Secure State to go over to to D as their chief security officer. Um, and so I ran their entire security program, which is a brand new endeavor for me. Right, I'd never been a chief security officer before, um, and so it was a, a unique experience for me because I got to interface with. You know, I was reporting directly to the CFO. I had a dotted line to our board of directors. I met with their CEO, CEO on a regular basis. And you know, this is I'm, I'm you know, I'm 26 years old. You know, in, in a Fortune you know 1,000 company as their chief security officer and one of their youngest vice presidents in history it was a really cool. You know, honor and experience. And you know, what was great about uh, D-Bull that I really enjoyed is that they really allowed me um, to build a successful program. I didn't run into a lot of the hindrances that you hear a lot of. Uh, you know, we had a great relationship with IT. Now, that was obviously because I had a great relationship with our, our CIO, Scott. Um, and he was a, a fantastic mentor for me growing up, and I learned so much uh, from him. Uh, and again, it's all about finding those mentors, right? Um, he taught me the business aspects of things, uh, whereas you know I was heavy on the technical side. So that that balance between communication, understanding people, um, understanding the business, and being able to apply that from a technology perspective um, made me really successful. And so you know i established friends and relationships uh within deepbold you know i used to buy the the it folks beer and pizza um you know especially during late nights if we had emergencies or things like that you know it was really camaraderie uh, amongst all of the teams to ensure that we were all successful and you know i i'd take you know blame for things you know especially if it was my fault you know there i remember one time we did the, this massive uh change uh across the entire organization where um yeah, I've been trying to get egress filtering pushed for like three months and I finally had enough. I'm like, all right, I went to the, my, my my networking guys, you know, the networking team. And I was like, hey, listen, there's an RFC out here that kind of looks like what we want to do, but not exactly. Can we just tuck this underneath here? And then if you guys get in, guys and gals get in any trouble, I'll take the blame for it. And so we got this RFC push through and we we made these changes and we blocked all egress filtering across the entire company other than 18443. And we proxy chained 18443 over a different proxy server so that you technically didn't even have 18443 directly out to the internet anymore. And it shut down one of our production instances, uh, our manufacturing (laughs) plants. (laughs) And so, um, but we had egress filtering, which is awesome. I'm like, yes, you know? Um, And so one of the the business owners for that organization was just super upset, right? You know, because we shut down manufacturing for a day, which is obviously a big deal. You don't want to do that. And we were able to fix it and get everything working out. And you know, but the thing was, is, is, you know, they never talked to the networking team. They talked directly to me and, and none of those, those folks had any issues. You know, we got to work with an interface and, and we just made some really awesome changes to a, a company that really needed those changes um, and did some really good. And I had so much fun there um, that, you know, once once we you know, I, I ended up having around 50 folks on my team, um, international, global program. Super successful and great into the business. The board of directors loved us. You know, like we go in and we just do some awesome stuff. And they're like, "This is the coolest stuff ever." You know, keep it fun and exciting for them. And you know, I, I went home one day and my my wife was uh, pregnant with twins, uh, Morgan and Mason. They're they're uh, ten now, so you know, it was just ten years ago. And um, you know, I said, "Listen, you know, I love what I do here. I have a great job. I have a great team. Um, I should be happy. But I think I can do this for a lot of other organizations and help the industry as a whole." And I, and I think I want to go off on my own without any type of venture capitalist funding without any type of you know stability whatsoever and and start my own company and and she said I, you know I trust you, I believe in you uh, let's let's figure out how to do it And uh, that's when the idea of, of trusted tech was born uh, was literally you know my wife and I sitting down and saying, let's do this you know at a different skill and I had no idea and I thought, hey, you know I'd have three to five people, you know, and, and we'd be doing some awesome work and stuff like that. Now we have over a hundred and I have binary defense, well over a hundred, you know, almost pushing the 200 marks so employee, you know, almost 400 employees worldwide would have never had any idea um, that it would have taken off like it did. So it was, it was such an amazing uh, journey and uh, one that, that I look back at, I'm like, man, I was crazy to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that now. Um, but, but it worked out really well.
0: Yeah. And, and spousal support is, I think, incredibly important when you're sitting down, you're, you're doing this. I think that's one of the things that I advise people if they're talking about getting into a business is you got to have complete buy in. If you're both not on board, then I think your life's going to be a living hell, um, you know, because it's, it's a big risk, If especially if you're self-funding. You, you got a big risk going out there and doing that. Um so what was your what was your funding strategy going in? You're bankrolling this yourself. Do you have a year salary saved up? What is like what's the the strategy to bankroll going into a business like that?
1: Yeah. So so first and foremost, on the point of, of your spouse, I mean, Erin was definitely my rock on this whole thing, and she is my my balance to uh, to my ideas and, and, and craziness when I go through things, right? So she she took over. You know, um, doesn't have a finance degree. Um, she figured out, you know, hey, how do we start an LLC? How do I do the financing and books? You know, she took over um, all of the financial aspects of trust tech when we first started so I could focus on, you know, sales and actually doing the work itself, you know, the technical work. Um, when you're going into a business, you know, finding what you do well and only focusing on that and not a broad spectrum of things that you might do average or sub average is really important. So define your services, number one, right? You know, hey, so when I first started off, you know, I focused very heavily um, on, on technical services such as application security and penetration tests, right? Because that's what I did really, really well. Um and eventually we got into risk assessments and things like that and kind of went into PCI and all these different other areas. As the company expanded, we had people in those areas that 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 was their area of focus. But starting off, focus on what is good for you first and foremost and what you know the best to fund this. Um, we had about six months of payroll, which is cutting it a little close. Uh, to be perfectly honest, you, you typically would want to have about a year or so, um, because what happens is that even if you have work lined up, uh, you know, by the time you get through uh, their ability to accept the proposal, and their ability to pay for that proposal, you're looking at a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what I did, you know, early on is I, you know, obviously established a website. I reached out to a number of, of folks that I have linked with, uh, linked, you know, uh, with before in the past that I have a good relationship with, and I said, hey, I'm looking at starting a new company. Here's the services I'm offering. Would you consider me for work? You know, uh, you know, down the road as things come along. And a few of them came back and said, let me know when you're ready. You know, we need this step type of work done. Just let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll get you on the books. So I had a few different organizations lined up um, for, for providing services for, because networking and, and establishing relationships is, is extremely important in all of this, right? Because, you know, what's going differentiate to you, differentiate you between the big four, you know, going against the big four or going against, you know, all of these different companies that are out there. Um, you know, you, you, you need to have relationships so that they can instill that trust in you. And then you have to go 10 times above and beyond the other organizations out there so that you can differentiate yourself um, in the future. And then that word of mouth starts to spread, right? So the quality of work that you do, you go over hours. So like, let's just say you have a 40 hour engagement. You're gonna put in 120 hours in that engagement because you want it to be the best engagement they have ever experienced in their entire life from start to finish. Um, So putting in the work and putting in the time, it's a lot upfront in the business. Um, You know, the amount of time that I was working, you you know, a ton of hours a week uh, and and on weekends just to get the company uh, um, started and upfront. Now it doesn't mean that you you sacrifice family time. That's still equally important in time for yourself. But I've, you put in a substantial amount of time to get there. So we had about six months, and we cut it pretty close. I think we got our first check on the five month period. So we were we were definitely sweating it uh, and going down to bare bones. You know, we're in our first house. You know, we cut down all of our expenses. You know, we and and really focused on on trying to line up as much work as possible. And then from there. You know, started to build a book of business, word of mouth started kind of kicking in, you know, getting on social media, releasing tools, releasing new, you know, getting your word of mouth to kind of expand. And then from there, you know, we you eventually hired a second person, a third person, a fourth person, et cetera. And it kind of just, you know, goes goes from there. But the the biggest issue that you run into in a business is there the, the, the are certain steps in your company that become extremely challenging. Like the first time you hire a second person, because what happens is that you're already overloaded by 500%. And then you hire a person and you have to train them up. So now you're overloaded 600% until mm-hmm. so you can drop that down to about 300%, right? So so there, you have to dedicate the time to know that you're going to be overloaded again. What happens with a lot of business owners is that they can't let go of certain things. So they're, they're overloaded 600%. They hire two more people. They're overloaded 800% and never come down from the 800% and you burn out, right? So you know there, there's definitely a formula of spending the time to teach people appropriately, so they can do the things that you want to do, and being able to let go as things happen. As I've I've, I've grown in trusted SEC, you know, uh, I feel very comfortable. If I went away for two months, everything would run perfectly fine. Decisions made without an issue. I have a great, you know, um, leadership team. I have a great uh, staff and group that you know the, the the entire teams work together to accomplish whatever they need to do and whatever tasks they need to do that requires you to, to really have a hands-off approach and let people lead and let people run within the company. And that's, that's very difficult for a lot of folks to do. I, I have no problem. Like I'm like, where do I need to be in the company to make the company the, the, to be the most successful? Is that the leader? Is that a visionary? Is that implementation? Is that, you know, doing the work? Where does, where does my skills best fit to help the company grow and to enable everybody else to be successful?
0: And, and at what point do you get comfortable? Because you start off year one, and you're starting to hire you hire people, right? And you're you're having to let go of this baby, this thing that you're building, and it, it's got to be hard, right? It's got to oh, yeah. be hard to to say, okay, I've I brought this. Now I have to trust somebody that if I take a day off, that you know the ship's still going to run, everything's going to run smoothly. Like, at, mm-hmm. how how do you build that trust? Is it just hiring the right people? What's what's the decision making there, and how how does that process go? I I would say I, I wasn't comfortable until about year four. Um, okay. and, and,
1: and that was really because, you know, payroll is, is the most, uh, uh, you know, horrible thing in your mind because, you know, you have to have cash coming in and you have to pay your people, obviously. Um, and and there are times where Aaron and I didn't take a salary and we're like figuring out how to scramble for money because, you know, just the work, your work wasn't there. I remember um, we hired two guys, uh, Martin uh, Boss and, and Justin Elzey. Justin Elzey um, is our, our CTO and, and runs our entire you know, research division, our adversary emulation teams, our red teams, um, you know, and our purple team. So, you know, and, and Martin Boss runs our entire consulting practice. OK, and i had been friends with Martin for, gosh, forever, since since the the since I was in the military and since the offensive security, our, our remote exploit days. Uh, funny story about Martin. You know, Martin calls me up uh, and he was uh, running a company at the time called Question Defense, which is kind of like a password cracking company. He had a couple of password cracker rigs and stuff like that. And he wanted to break into security. And he calls me and he's like, Dave, hey, I see you're going to be at the Louisville InfoSec Summit. Um, can you uh, do a capture the flag with me? And and I'm like, dude, I don't I don't do capture of flags. I'm like, you know, what happens if I'm doing a capture of flag and then like there's like a some college kid that just completely owns me, you know, and beats me, and then all of a sudden now they beat Dave Kennedy, right? You know, and it wasn't an ego thing. It was more so of like a, I know there's better people out there than me. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's a great thing. And I just don't want to, you know, you know, hurt myself that way. And uh, Martin's like, dude, I'm trying to break into security. It'd be a good visibility thing. I know there's gonna be a lot of big, big companies there. I'm like, all right, man, fine. That's fine. And so uh, uh, we get to this Louisville InfoSec Summit and um, we're doing the CTF and we're just destroying left and right. We're just number one, number one, number one. And there was this box that was uh, there that was a fully patched, uh, you know, Windows Vista machine that had zero uh, vulnerabilities in it. I was actually working on a zero day at the time for Windows Vista. I had a zero day for Windows Vista um, that allowed for, for a full remote code, code execution or system. And so I ran this Vista zero day against this fully patched box. So I was thinking, Hey, you know, um, you know, this is probably one of those super hard trophies to, to get into. And, you know, might might be a whole bunch of points. And it was the person that was, that was maintaining the, uh, the CTFs personal box. He forgot to remove it from the network and I had owned it. And on there, it was a folder saying all the CTF flags. So I had all the answers, <laughs> to, to all the CTFs on it. So. <laughs> It was good and martin ended up getting a job um over at uh, Acubant, uh and then eventually ran their entire consulting practice a so small world but you know um at the time um Acubant had gotten acquired by Optiv, and martin and Elsie were both on the market for for leaving and going somewhere else and they really wanted to join Trust sec I, I was best friends with justin best friends with martin it was a great fit and at the time i'm like man i can't afford you guys if i if i hire you it's going to really put a major dent and i don't know if i can afford paying payroll like this and, you know, I spoke to, to Aaron, I spoke to my head of sales at the time I had hired a sales guy named Ryan, one of my, another, one of my best friends, you know, um, you know, I, I hire friends. I, I like hiring friends. I believe in friends. Um, you know, people say don't hire your friends. I love hiring friends and family, whatever I can do. Um, and it's not just friends, you know, anybody, me in mean, industry, whatever, you know, it, it's not just friends that I hire, but I like hiring friends. Um, and, and so I'm like, listen, let's just bust our butts and figure this out and get them on board and everything will work out. And so we ended up hiring Justin and, and, and Martin and uh, it's one of the best decisions we ever made. And believe me, there was some months there where we we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We're not getting paid here. You know, we have no, you know, we have to figure out, we have to take a line of credit out. Um, but eventually we, we skyrocketed through that. We made it past it. And, um, you know, we never looked back ever since. And I would say that was about year four when, when those types of situations uh, really kind of went out the window. But, you know, we're at a point now where, you know, we have forecasts, financial metrics, budgets. You know, like we're a full-fledged company now, right? You know, we actually have all this stuff where we can make informed decisions, you know, uh, on, on the organization and company. We know when there's dips or trends, you know, it's a very methodical way of doing things and running a business. But we didn't have that, you know, year one, year two, year three, and then into year four. So really, it's a it's a maturity thing. It's getting a comfort level. And it's about hiring the right folks uh, for your organization that you can trust. We just recently hired a, uh, a chief operating officer or a COO uh, for Trusted Sec. And that was one of the hardest things to ever do because I don't know any COOs. I don't have any COO friends. Um, and so we had to literally go on the market and try to find a COO. And, you know, for us, the, the biggest thing is culturally, you know, do they fit well uh, within us? You know, are they going to be a type of person that's a boss and comes into work every day and it's work, work, work? Or are they going to be somebody that is a friend to everybody that wants the best for that individual person first, you know, for, first and foremost, and is going to be compassionate about them? That's really our culture, right? Um, and so we hired a COO and it's one of the best things that I've ever done in my entire life Is hiring a COO because they literally run every aspect of my business now. Um, and now I can focus on the things that make me, you know, happy and exciting, which is research or hopping on engagements or, you know, looking at, um, uh, from a visionary perspective, what do we need to change as a, an organization to be successful? You know, so I get to do a lot more of the fun stuff, um, that I do. And I have somebody that literally runs the day to day. Um, and all that has been, been a huge success for us and, and love, love it. You know, so right now I'm, you know, on cloud nine, you know, uh, uh, running a company and, uh, literally have zero, zero problems. I mean, you have little ones, but you, you get over those.
0: So what's the, what's the turning point of your company? Is it year four? Would you say is that when you start bringing on these guys and you start really churning business and that's the, the, the turning point to where you go from, you know, little player in the market to potentially growing into who you are now?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say year four, but I would also say that, you know, People is the number one and most important thing to always remember um, in your business. You know, having good people that care about the work that they do uh, and care about the company, and making sure you have a company that you you care about, right? That, that people would want to care about. Um, and and so we take care of our folks. Uh, you know, no matter what. Like if somebody's having a personal problem, you know, they can take off whenever they need to. We can we'll help them out financially. You know, whatever whatever ends up being. Um, you know, we will do whatever we possibly can because it is, it is all about people. Um, and you know, people spend a substantial amount of time at work and you shouldn't hate coming into work. So we, we take feedback all the time, both anonymous and open. Everybody feels comfortable talking to us like, Hey, if, if we want, if we need to change something in the organization, we just go and change it cause it's the right thing to do. So in, investment in people, um, is number one. And that has been a very big success for us is, is making sure that, that we take care of our folks they care about our company, and we care about them. And, and that is a recipe for success, no matter where you're at, uh, whether it's year two, year three, or year four. Um, but if you invest in your people, you'll have a really great return. A, good, a great example is we have not lost a consultant in over three years, um, you know, at trusted sec. Anyway, that, that's, that's amazing. And, and, and for the ones that we do lose, it's like, you know, family—you know—things where they're relocating to a different location, and they want to go to more of a corporate job versus consulting. And they're still—we're still great friends with them, and they can come back anytime they want to. You know, it's not not a, not a bad thing in any way. But we just don't lose folks because we take care of them, and uh, we really want the best for for them, for their families, and for everybody else. And so, I would say for us, that the big turning point was probably you know year three or year four for us, where we felt super comfortable uh, about the company, its growth, and then you know putting in the positions to to be able to to make people successful and also promoting within as well. I think that's really important is that, you know, giving people the opportunity to grow in their careers, uh, and, and to do as, you know, as long as they're a good fit for that. Right.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about, I guess, a time, sounds like an interview question, but let's talk about a time where you, maybe you messed up or or screwed up. You have a a screw up story. That's kind of like a big lesson learned as you're, you're starting out or
1: you screw up all the time, right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I look at, I look at, at screw ups as, um, not necessarily something you messed up on, but a learning opportunity to get better, right? You know, I remember um, when we first started TrustedSec, like, you know, we didn't have a legal team behind us, right? You know, you don't have a legal department or anything like that, or, you know, even a third party really, cause it's so expensive. And, you know, I remember the 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 SLAs that we had and the MSAs that we had were like literally off of Google. And I remember they had like UK wording in there, it was like data privacy of UK, <laughs> we're only doing work in the US. So like, and it floated for like three years until we actually had a legal team. Um, you know, uh, but someone like in, in a legal department is like, Hey, this has, it's all structured around the UK stuff. You guys literally have no, you know, uh, uh, protections whatsoever in any of this language. Is is that what you're intending to do? I'm like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not what we, <laughs> think we do. you know, it's like, you know, so, so there are things you learn, you know, throughout the business side that, that you figure things out, you know, and, and there, there are times where, you know, you, you make, you know, poor decisions, whether it's, um you know, Hey, we're going into the service offering. You don't really think it out. You don't really have the right technical, um, you know, our uh, right ability to go and do it. And you kind of thrust into things that are kind of out of your sweet spot, you know, to, to go and do. And it obviously leaves a negative impression. We, we really don't have unhappy customers, but you know, I can count on, on one hand, you know, a couple that we've had and the reasons why is because of poor decisions that we made of, of taking the work on or, you know, doing something that we shouldn't have. You know, I think um, when you look at some of the other areas uh, around that is, you know, how you structure a company and, and putting people in positions that they may not want to be in, you know, um, you know, just thinking like, hey, you know, they want to be in management. Right. And so you want to promote them, but they don't want that. They want to be technical or they want to focus on areas, you know, and, you know, putting people in positions that they don't want to be. in, So they're unhappy and, and you end up, you know, they get disgruntled or want to leave or something like that. And you, fi- you can obviously fix that. But, you know, listening to your people and what they want to do. I mean, I think a lot of the issues come down to personnel and making sure that you're just listening to people and making the right decisions um, and making sure that you spend time to actually go through and working out problems versus, you know, kind of tucking underneath the rug or not paying attention. Um, but I don't have any big ones that I've made, you know, like where it's like cataclysmic, you know, could have been the end of my company. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, in any way, shape or form, you know, we, we've, we've, we've worked through issues, you know, quite a bit um, as you go along and, and, and you know, you, you you learn as you kind of grow and and, and those experiences make you stronger in the future.
0: Yeah, so for, for me, um, same thing. I think it's I think it's learning experiences, regardless if it's, you know, every screw up is an opportunity to learn something from. Um, you know, year one for me, I was talking to two different companies and um, I was quoting one and they had both both these companies about the same size network and quoting them quoted one and quoted around thirty thousand dollars and somebody else comes in for around sixty and they go with them. And I'm like, okay, obviously, I think I underquoted this. So yeah. next company comes in, and you know they come around and I quote them sixty thousand. They're like, all of our bids were at thirty thousand. Like, well, what the hell am I doing wrong? And I, it's like a, a time to sit back and realize that value and goals yeah. and everything are important. Are these companies coming in because they're checking a box, or Are they coming in because they want you to go in fine tooth comb, find all the vulnerabilities, and you know have a real established relationship what's the budget what are the questions that you're not asking and um, losing two deals immediately off of you know potentially $90,000 in your first year um, but it's a valuable learning experience that you can take yeah. back and and use again and land new deals that maybe you wouldn't have in the future so uh, you yeah, know mistakes do, like that you learn from.
1: How to communicate with customers is still something I learn every day because you're, you're dealing with you know dynamic folks that are just different every single time you go into a new company mm-hmm. and their objectives are different right so you know some some folks are like, hey, I just need a checkbox, right? I need, I need to get through my specific compliance for the year. Other people actually care, you know, and want want you to go through. And and you know, we are not the cheapest organization in, you know, at all. We have our, you know, we we pride ourselves on having, you know, extremely well talented folks and, and that costs, you know, you know, money to have those salaries and those 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 payrolls and everything else that's part of it. So we are definitely not the cheapest, right? And you have to communicate that to customers to let them know, like, listen. When we come in, we're going to do the absolute best job that we humanly possibly can. And, you know, and and that includes, you know, if if it's, if it's necessary going above and beyond what the statement of work is and going over hours, like we'll do that for our customer. Right. Um, you know, if it's the right thing to do, but you know, you're absolutely right. We've lost engagements where we're like, Hey, you know, they say that the the budget for this is, you know, 50,000. So we come in at 30,000, they go with somebody at 70,000. You're like, what the heck? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like. You know, so you know, you, you definitely learn from those experiences and trying to figure out like this, and you you don't necessarily need to be the cheapest, but you have to to be a subject matter expert in your area of expertise and 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 have a you know superior product to what you're going after.
0: Yeah, and and you get that. Um, I think a lot of the times that we we get the sales people or people on the other side that come to us and they say, Well, you know, so and so can do it for a third of the price. I'm like, okay, well, what's what's so and so's reputation? You know, who are they in the market? What are they? What do they do? Why? You know, just because somebody's the cheapest doesn't mean they're going to be the best. Yeah. Um, at, at what you do, so you got to. You know, it, I I don't think that the price point of being the the cheapest is the way to go in business. But I um, yeah, I think the reputation and, and the value that you can bring is a good selling point. And you know, if they end up going with the cheapest, and they end up uh getting breached saving a few thousand dollars versus the you know potential millions that it could cost is in the long run you know that's the selling point too so can't agree more uh so with with this so you start up at some point uh the second company right binary defense so when does that come in is that same time frame is that once you get the ball rolling on trusted sec when when does that like actually start happening for you
1: yeah so so binary defense was was Ultimately, a, a big goal of mine um, to, to actually have as part of trusted tech. So my my goal was always to have kind of the the I hate to use the the buzzword, but more of the next generation security operations center, right? You know, folks that actually look for unusual behavior in your environment and kind of do the hard work for you, right? Have the expertise and things like that in house. And, and, you know, we had, we had a, a very large, you know, when I was over at d we had a very large MSSP and literally it was just regurgitation of alarms, right? You have alarm come in, they copy and paste it, they send it over to you. And our team was doing all the work in the first place. We had literally none, you know, it was, it was literally not worth the money that we were paying uh, for what we we're doing. So we ended up building our own, own security operations center out, you know, from the ground up. And I wanted to replicate the same thing. So my, my goal with, with TrustSec was, you know, to build out a consulting organization, which doesn't require a substantial amount of, of, of uh, capital to go and do. And then eventually, when that was kind of kicking on all strides, you know, uh, kind of kick off another extension of our services, which would have been, uh, you know, the the Security Operations Center side. And at that point in time, you know, it was about, I want to say year two, or year three, when we decided to kick off kind of the endeavor of the security operations side. And, you know, I started kind of reaching out to a lot of the customers that we did work with. And I said, Hey, we're looking at doing these services or these things that you would be interested in. And what I got uniquely was that I didn't think of is that a lot of these companies view people that are gonna be doing the assessment work, i.e. you know, your consulting work and also doing your monitoring detection as a conflict of interest. It is, yeah. yeah. Yep, and, and I understand that completely, right? You know, you don't want, you know, hey, by the way, we're gonna be doing an assessment for you, you know, in, in a week, you know, keep an eye out, right? You know, and then you make yourself look better as you're going through. So, you know, I had, I had a tough dilemma, you know, do I, you know, I already had an established customer base over at TrustedSec that I could use for, you know, building up business for the Security Operations Center side but I was probably going to lose 75 or 80% of that based on the conflict of interest. And then I'd only have, you know, the rest of the companies that we onboard would either only be able to do security operations center work or, you know, um, consulting work. So I decided then to to build a completely separate organization. I mean, and when I mean completely separate, I mean, everything is completely separate, Uh, you know, leadership, uh, you know, infrastructure personnel, everything is completely separate in every single way. The only, you know, thing that that is is consistent between myself is, is myself as the the owners, um, and then you know I, um, there's a sales guy that kind of floats between the two from a dotted line perspective. But there's no communication. There's no giving a heads up. It's it's very much a fireable offense if that happens in any way, shape, or form from trust tech personnel to binary defense and vice versa. We take that extremely seriously. So we cl- created completely separate lines from a, se- a separate company perspective, and that's tough to do because like you're you're now building a a growing company that's growing. And now you have this other company that you're starting from scratch. Um, so I, I, what I, what I did early on is, is I knew that being a CEO of both companies wasn't going to be effective because I wouldn't be able to manage both of the companies at the same time and, and build it out. So I had a buddy of mine, uh, his name was Mike Valentine, who had built up a, a successful company that eventually IPO and he sold it and those. And that's not my my goal intent there, but you know, but he was he was he was great at building companies and the structure around that and what it needed to be. And it was a good friend of mine. And so I brought Mike in um, as a, a partner. Um to, to binary defense. And he is the CEO. So he runs as a CTO. I run as their our CTO. Um, and, and I helped with the foundation of building out the security operations center. I brought in some of my folks from the Diebold days um, that had our, you know, that was part of our security operations center. Um, Dave DeSimon, who's our chief security officer now, as well as a number of other folks, came in and we built uh, you know, our our um our security operations center, our services really from the ground up, completely separate as a different organization. And then on top of that, you know, we started the development side and building our own managed detection and response product, uh, which we integrated into our customers. So, you know, both on the software development side as well as the service, you know, um, managed services perspective, and really kind of built all of those and bolstered those up as as the years went out by. And it was crazy because you know, trust that consulting, you know, goes up, but you know, the services side just flew up. You know, we're 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 you know kicking the two hundred mark, you know, on on the binary fence front, which is two years younger. Um, than our trust sex side. So we've seen substantial growth over there, as well as the, the trust sex side. So it was, it was a great decision. It was just very painful to go and do and building out two separate companies.
0: Sure. And I, I'm at a common theme here. And it's I think it's relationships um, in the sense that, you know, you, you're making and building this this network, this web of people that you you meet throughout your career, right? Yep. And you never know when the seeds that you plant with one person from 10 years ago is going to show back up. You don't know when that when that relationship's going to get you another job, like we were talking about earlier, or when it's going to find you, you know, a new employee or somebody yep. to come on and start a company with. Um, so I think that's one of the most undersold points is if, especially if you're trying to get in business, but life in general, like if you're trying to get into a job or somewhere new, uh, establishing and planting seeds as many places as you can, making friends, meeting people, which, yep. um, are you, are you outgoing? Are you introverted or extroverted?
1: on the surface I, i'm I'm extroverted but definitely introverted uh in general i I, uh, I get nervous going around groups of people or talking to people and things like that but I, I push myself out of it and 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 when I'm in front of people i I come off as an extrovert um if, i'm I'm kind of a uh, closet extrovert if that makes <laughs> you chameleon yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that's how I am too. Like, uh, I get social anxiety in groups of people. If it was just like you and I sitting down on a table, I could have a one-on-one conversation with you yeah. all day. But the the more people you add into a group, the the harder I think it feels. So you, the the more work you have to uh, you know battle inside of you to actually come out and be extroverted. Um, but you know you have to you have to look past that and and really fight through that. And I know a lot of there's a lot of introverts in IT, but um, and I think that. F- find it uh, difficult to make relationships and build relationships, but um, it could be as, as little as knowing somebody by their handle. Um, I've got people that I only know by a handle, but you know, if I ever wanted to hire that person or anything, I would take them on in a heartbeat because I know the quality of work that they do and everything else. Um, and it doesn't have to be that you have to go interact face-to-face with every single person to, to make an impact or, or anything like that. There's people that are in security that I don't even know, like I said, their, their names but they yep. make a, you know, they make a strong impact in the community and you can do that just as well. But.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and those relationships, as you mentioned, is, is extremely important. You know, I remember uh, uh, Carlos Perez, our doc operator who runs our research division, um, you know, uh, within trusted sec, you know, him and I became really good friends because we went to HackCon together and we shared a room because, you know, none of us could afford, uh, you know, bedroom or, uh, you know, hotel rooms at the time. So we both shared a bedroom and we were sitting there coding at night and you know became good friends, you know, at that point in time. And, and all of a sudden now, you know, we, we become good friends and sponsor relationship. And all of a sudden, now he's running our research division, you know, um, you know, it, it, these, these relationships and, and the people that you meet, you know, throughout your career, you know, are, are potentially future employees, you know, people that may hire you, um, you know, ways that you can, you know, learn off of one another. Um, there's so many different aspects to those. Uh, Chris Henege, um, you know, who runs socialengineer.org, you know, when Chris first started, you know, uh, him and I, uh you know, kicked off our relationship, you know, in a way where I was more of a troller, trolling him quite a bit. And, you know, and then my whole life has just always been trolling him anyway. Um, but um we became best friends, you know, and eventually, you know, we partnered together and worked together. And, you know, all of these relationships that you start throughout 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 your careers is really important. And that's the biggest thing. You know, I mentioned, you know, being kind of a hidden introvert or uh you know or hidden extrovert. You know, it's you know you kind of kind of over you got to kind of overcome that, you know, when I when I first um, got out of the military, I was so nervous talking in front of people um, and giving presentations. I remember the first presentation I ever gave uh, was right out of the militaries in 2005. It was at the Information Security Summit which was the first public speaking engagement I ever gave. And it was and, and I didn't understand the private sector versus, you know, the, the government that I came from, and that I was talking to a bunch of, you know, mid to higher level folks. And my first talk was all about like the ins and outs of like aircrack NG, you know, uh, web encryption and how to break web, you know, and, 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 um, which was cool, by the way, back in 2005. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, I, I gave this whole demo. I had like a wireless access point set up. I was, you know, doing the, you know, packet injections. I'm showing it and I'm, you know, like all this other stuff. And these people were like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like this isn't the right type of conference for this, right? And so, so knowing your audience and knowing who you're talking to, and and being able to overcome your fear. I still get nervous all the time when I go on the news, whether it's you know na- a national broadcast or just public radio. I get nervous going in front of uh, people and talking. You know, it, it never goes away. But at the end of the day, you you should believe in yourself that you know you your experiences that you have are unique to yourself. And that sharing those experiences can help somebody else um, as things go along. And, and you never know the relationships you're going to make because of that. And, and that, that's what kind of fuels me and drives me is that, you know, hey, I might be helping out somebody else um, down the road for them to be successful. And that that's awesome. That's an
0: awesome feeling. Now, curiosity just piqued my mind. Uh, on the news, I know you've joked about it, but have you ever done a no pants interview? Oh, yeah. All the time. I do them all the time. Are you wearing pants right now? I, I'm wearing shorts right now. I'm okay, wearing, okay. I'm wearing, <laughs> or, you see through
1: them technically. They have like a bunch of doctor though. But uh, I, I'm not, I, I do, I do have underwear on and I do have, I
0: have shorts on. So. Um, I know you joke about it on Twitter a lot, but I just want. I wanted to know oh, if that was actually a actual yeah, fact. I, I never, put... literally, I never have pants on when you see them <laughs> ever,
1: ever. I, I feel more comfortable, honestly, without them. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not like a, I, I mean, I have like shorts on, for example. I don't'm mean sure. I, I, I don't my underwear or something like that, you know, sure. but I have my shorts on when i when I go into but so you see a full suit tie you know, <laughs> on everything and literally I just have you know like gym shorts on and, and some white socks. Uh, there's no reason why I got a suit up every single time and i'm I'm so well no. my gym shorts you know this is I, I I had a cutoff t-shirt before I got on like literally my cutoff t-shirt is right here, which will be going on right after I get off of this podcast <laughs> um so you know, I like to be comfortable. Right. So, um, and, and, and there's no reason why no one's ever going to see the lower extremities. So, you know, and they only see, they think you're probably in a full suit when you're really not. And and that's kind of a fun one for, for people to do. So
0: the news is fun. I, I like, to that's, it. that's epic, honestly. <laughs> uh, so let's get into, I guess a little bit about you personally, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Uh, so <laughs> you, I know you're, you're big into fitness. Now you talked about, you know, being overweight, um, yeah. a lot of your life. And then I know you went to the Marines, lost weight. Then you, uh, I, Unfortunately for, I know you got the photo out there for the Metasploit book. I've seen that photo and now you look great comparatively yeah. and you've been doing a lot of fitness. How long has your fitness journey been going on since, uh, it's been like the last year or two. Um, yeah. you know, it's how's that kind of changed your life?
1: You know, uh, Weight has always been a problem for me, no matter what, I, you know, everybody, you know, there, there are people and people struggle with different things, right? There are folks that can't put on any weight and just skinny all the time. and can eat whatever they want to. I wish I was that person. I wish I was like, man, I can go eat, you know, Chipotle, then go to Taco Bell, then go to Dairy Queen. And then I'm still this rail, right? I would love that. Um, but I, unfortunately, you know, for me, my, my metabolism and just how I've been as a kid, you know, I, I've always struggled with, with obesity. I mean, you know, in my highest weight, I was 315 pounds, um, you know, and, and I, um, and so this was in 2000, I want to say 2010 or 2011 uh, when I was my highest. And, and, you know, I, um, at that point in time, I started having a lot of health issues. Uh, and I had, I had, I had to have heart surgery. Um, so I had heart surgery to correct, um, something that was basically driven from my weight. Uh, it was called atrial fibrillation. I should not have had it as, a, as, as young as I did. And so they had to do what's called a cryoblation where they basically, you stay awake and they write a catheter up your your leg, your, and then they fry a bunch of uh, nerves in your heart. And you're actually like, ah, they're frying nerves in my heart right there. I can see that. (laughs) Um, you know, and so at that point in time, I realized, you know, with having new kids, you know, I had, you know, twins had just come up come through, um, you know, I I had Gavin. So I had three kids uh, and I was like, man, if I don't take control of this, uh, I'm not going to be around for my family. And so I decided at that point in time that I was going to go and get um, surgery done to help me out. And and believe me, I had tried working out. I had tried dieting. I tried everything I possibly could. And and it just wasn't working for me. And um, so I went through a a surgery or procedure called the gastric sleeve bypass, which or gastric sleeve surgery, which is basically they go in and they your stomach is kind of like a football. They cut it up. So it's basically like a tube, uh, which is why they call it the sleeve. And so you're you're very restrictive on what you could eat, and that was very successful. I dropped from 315 to about 185 in about a year's time frame, um, and and my wife actually complained I was too skinny and too bony. Um, but you know, as things progressed, I started gaining more weight again, uh, and and I started progressively going back up and up and up. And the sleeve is a tool um, to help you be successful, but at the end of the day, you have to be disciplined enough uh, to be able to do that. And about um, about eight months ago. Uh, I was just, you know, getting to that point again where I'd hit my max, I, I, I hit a heavy weight again. I was at 225, which is the, the highest I'd ever been, you know, since the surgery itself. And I just knew I was getting out of control again, um, and that, you know, the, the the sleeve while it was effective wasn't working how I would anticipated. I was just eating, you know, not not healthy. And finally, something finally clicked in my my brain that I was like, listen, I have to change what I'm doing now. I have to change what I'm doing right now because it's going to impact me in the future. And, 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 and that, that little flip happened literally overnight. Um, and from there, I just started studying, researching. And I knew that when I was in the Marines, you know, the Marines is the Marines were, it was a great program because it was such a structured program for me. But one thing the Marines don't teach you is that when you leave that structured program, what the hell do you do? And so, you know, like I, I, you know, I was eating 3000 calories a day in the Marines because I was working out three times a day in the Marines, you know? Um, but when you leave the Marines, you can't still eat 3000 calories and still not work out three times a day, right? You're not burning those calories. So you know, I basically ballooned up and then I started losing it again. I ballooned up again. And so I started looking at like, why does it happen? So first thing I did is, is I, I got a personal trainer that was also a nutritionist um, that taught me a lot about how my body works and how, how we are as machines. We're basically machines, you know, how we burn calories and how we do all these things. So I learned the actual science and nutrition about my body and where my body's at. And then I just started kicking it hard. You know, I, I, right, right now I, I work out. Uh, I do uh, Orange Theory, which is a physical fitness hit training, uh, which is about an hour long um, exercise, you know, a day. I do that four times a week and I lift literally almost every single day. Uh, I do two days on, one day off, uh, essentially. And then I get 17,000 steps a day and I track every single calorie that goes in my body. And I've had a major transformation. Um, the Within an eight-month time period, I am in the best shape of my life that I've ever been, including the Marines and anywhere else that I've ever been. Um, and I'm at, you know, 30, 38 years old. Um, you know, I'm able to, to literally do things that I've never been able to accomplish uh, throughout my entire life. So, and and I will never, and, I, and you can quote me on this. I will never go back to that type of lifestyle again. I will always be focusing on my my family, my body being there for the long time, uh, long term, and and making sure I, I focus uh, on fitness. So, it was a really tr- big transformation for me about eight months ago, and something that I will stick with. I mean, and I don't know if I'm going to be doing you know this craziness, you know, throughout the rest of my life. When I, once I get to a certain point, hopefully, I can do more maintenance. Uh, for things, but uh, just getting there in this journey has just been been eye opening for me and really something that's helped me out a ton.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't recognize or realize, I guess, that it's only been eight months that you've gone through this because um, it looks like you are a completely different person just from yeah. you know from the before and afters. It's it's amazing. Um, it's crazy
1: what your body does, you know, when you, when you put it through what it needs to. You know, it, when you have a specific objective and you go to that objective and you stay true to it, um, you know, you can you can accomplish anything and. You know, eight months is not a long time to get, you know, uh, uh, you, you, figure you spent years wrecking your body, getting to a certain point, you know, it takes a long time to unwreck it, but it's not as, as, as bad, especially if you, if you do it the right way.
0: Absolutely. And, and one of the questions I have for you kind of falls in line with this too, is where, where do you find the time to do everything? I f- feel like you're always like, you're always giving back. You're running, like you, you ran a conference forever. You ran two companies. Um, you're sitting here on a podcast, right. And you, you've got like time to work out all this stuff. Like, are you, do you, do you sleep or (laughs) (laughs)
1: sleep is actually really, really important. I get, I get on average, uh, eight hours of sleep a day, um, is, is where I try to focus on as my sweet spot for, for how my body reacts to that. Um, you know, it's really about time management, right. Um, it's about, uh, focusing your time on the most heavily pressing things in your life. And there's a, there's a book I really, um, I really like it's, uh, Right here, uh, Chris Nickerson from Lara's Consulting uh, told me about this book when I first started Trusted Sec. I and mean, it's the I literally like structured Trusted Sec just like this book, and it's it's called uh, Rework, uh, and it's from the guys over at Thirty Seven Signals, uh, and it's it's basically throwing out all of the things that you're taught in business schools and doing things more for yourself and for time management and for your for your people, and that has really helped me out a lot. Um, instead of having two hour long meetings hey, why not have a 15-minute standing meeting with the people that need to make the decisions, and from there, things execute, right? Um, you know, there, there are things that you can do from a time management perspective to, to maximize the amount of time you have, and I, I literally live by my schedule. If it is not in my calendar, I am not doing it. So my workouts, you know, when I can get lifting in, uh, when I have to take the kids to swimming practice, all of that, my days are literally meticulously planned uh, throughout the entire day, and then giving myself time for myself, right? Whether that's playing video games or that's figuring out something new to code or to write, um, you know, I give myself time to go and do that, as well as obviously ample time for family and things like that. So, you know, as soon as five o'clock hits, I'm with family, right? And I'm with family until 10 o'clock at night. And then from 10 to 11 or 10 to 12, sometimes, you know, I'm doing my own thing. And then I go to bed and then I wake up and do the same thing, right? So, you know, uh, time for your family, time for yourself. Uh, time for, for work, you know, all of those things can be prioritized and you're not going to be able to accomplish everything. Uh, That's just impossible. Um, So, you know, things are going to drop, you know, but those things technically aren't really important. Uh, You know, especially if you didn't prioritize them high enough, eventually they might, you know, somebody might get pissed. You didn't respond back to them in a certain period, you know, time period, you know, eventually that bubbles up to important. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, your goal is to fit whatever you possibly can that is important to you and for you to accomplish and for you to manage that time effectively. So, and, and, and again, having people with you that help you along that journey as well. You know, Martin, I can't say enough good things about my my leadership team. I mean, Chris, from a sales perspective, you know, Ryan, from a sales perspective, you know, Brian, from a scheduling and management of our, our project management for our teams, Eric, from a COO perspective, Martin, who runs our consulting practice, Elsie, who's our visionary and really focusing on what we should do next. You know, that team itself and, and the folks underneath them that are really striving the way forward, I mean, they do you know, a lot of work as well. So it's, it's a team effort, uh, especially from a company perspective in how you do things. I mean, Martin, I don't know how he gets everything he does. You, know, you talk about me. I look at Martin. I'm like, how do you do all that, Martin? Like, how do you fit all that in a day? I don't have no idea how you fit in He's like, man, it's just how I, I work. You know, like I get my stuff done and, and, and I still got time for family and everything else. He does the exact same thing I do. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just making sure you find time for yourself, find time to get the things done and bubbling up the things that are most important for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's some really good advice. Honestly, I see a lot of posts, especially on LinkedIn, uh, occasionally on Twitter, where people are like, eh, you know, you're starting out a business, you're working a company, you're, you're going to be working however many hours and like your life is dedicated to that. Well, yeah, okay, you can dedicate your life to some of it. But you if you give up on your family time or your support systems and, and everything else that's also important, your your foundation's going to crumble. You can't just stand on one leg the entire time. So uh, especially your mental health too. If you're just doing all that in like the video gaming, like you talk about for me, that's huge for, you know, spending time with my wife or, or going on a walk or just taking time to decompress. Yeah. You do work a lot, but at the same time, like making sure that you maintain the relationships that are the most important to you, I think is, is critical to, to being successful in, in um, you know, having that support system around you too. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. So you're a, you're a car guy, right? You got a, you got a DeLorean. I do. You got a Tesla. A Tesla. Yep um by the way open butthole i've been using oh that God. for like a week now that's Isn't that fantastic. amazing yeah <laughs> it's amazing <the> <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> uh
1: it's so i mean ridiculous my, my kids are like yeah can I, can I do the open butthole thing i'm like go for it like i was like <laughs> see our boy scouts the other day with the kids and like the whole troop was around there and, and the kids like tesla open butthole and everybody's like ah,
0: that's the <laughs> ever. i mean just so stupid but it's it, it, what an amazing car right i i mean i yeah i called my wife immediately. I'm like, you've got to go to the car. You've got to do this right now. <laughs> this is like a pressing issue. I yeah. I just couldn't believe it. It was, yeah, it's awesome. Um, my so wife, it was,
1: it was funny. I, I told my wife about it and she's like, really? I'm like, okay, go go get the camera. Record me. It's like, <laughs> I learned about it. We're in the car in the garage doing open and closed butthole, you know, to close the, the charging port. Open the, for those that know what we're talking about, when you say open butthole, it opens the charging port. When you say closed butthole, it closes the charging port. Obviously an Easter egg that they put in there obviously you never thought I would be saying open butthole
0: to a car and it would do
1: something uh, so we're all kind of blown away it's 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 stupidly stupidly funny humor so
0: yeah the uh there's the my balls are cold we'll turn on your your <laughs> heat heated seats there's some great ones in there I looked at I saw somebody linked a, a whole list of them and I was yeah. just looking through them and they're amazing they're So good are you so are you a car guy or is it just kind of like it's the Delorean and stuff like the nerdy side of you Tesla can be nerdy too it's kind of a tech car is it is it more that you're a car guy a little bit of both or I'm more on the the nerdy side of the house, not
1: necessarily on the the car side of the house. Justin Elsie on our team is just a car fanatic and builds his own cars from like the ground up and stuff like that. You know, for me, um, you know, I, as a kid, I've always wanted a DeLorean. I always wanted to have my own time machine. Time travel to me has always been the most fascinating thing ever. Um, and you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, you know, uh, you know, everything about time is is anything fascinating. Quantum leap, you know, like you name it. And so, you know, for me, um, Back to the Future was always like the the core movie as a child of, of, of how I envisioned time travel to be. Right. And, and, you know, I, I was, I always thought, you know, when we got to 2012, it was going to be just like the movie predicted, you know, uh, from back to the future too. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have flying cars and hoverboards and all sorts of stuff. You know, unfortunately we got COVID, uh, and it's hard <laughs> stuff, but, you know, um, you know, but, but you know, the, the DeLorean was always a, 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 trophy for me to, to, to get and accomplish, And so, um, you know, I got a DeLorean and, uh, I have some friends that are working on it with me, and we're building it out to the 100% spec of the Back to the Future. You know, um, you'll be able to convert it from the, um, to, for, the for the first one to second one and a third one. So it'll have all three that you can kind of convert That's it cool. to um, as you go through. But it's just an awesome project. And Tesla, for me, is just you know one of the most technologically advanced cars from a a, a software development perspective or lifecycle of how they push over the air updates. are one of the first to go and they're the first to go and do it. Um, you know to me, Tesla is just a fascinating uh, company that their model, how they do things.'re they a software development company first, car manufacturer second. You know there was a recently a Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Elon Musk. and Elon was on there talking about you know how they made the Model X, which is their SUV. And they when they went into the design phase, they didn't think about it from a car perspective. They're like, how much cool, badass stuff can we put <laughs> into this car to make it the most amazing car ever? And he's like, there's never going to be another car like this. He's like, you know, we put like you know, biohazard mode on it so that if there's ever, you know, a, a gas attack, you don't ever have to worry about that. Like, when is that going to ever happen? We don't know, but it sounds cool. Right. <laughs> you know, the Falcon doors, like the Falcon doors are the, the worst idea ever from a design perspective. They're such a pain in the butt, but it looks awesome. You know, so like, you know, like those types of things, you know, when, when you're, when you, when you love what you do and you, you know, obviously I, I, every time I crack up, I think about it is when they were doing the, uh, hammer to the window on the cyber truck and or the the ball and they both don't cracked i don't know if you saw that yeah i I have yeah i mean I mean, you know it's just like you know we tested it 30 million times but exactly you know as soon as we go to do it (laughs) i love it i mean just the the whole company and what they've been able to accomplish i think is is great and it really pushed us forward uh, from an advancement perspective i mean you look at all the car manufacturers everything that they're doing now is on batteries right i mean their their whole research you know, renewable energy all of that stuff is is what we're focusing on now and, and that's what we have to focus on for the longevity of our our race is getting off of fossil fuels and you know going to clean energy and focusing more on on you know protecting our planet and, and becoming and, and look at the stuff he's doing with spacex you know trying to become a multiplanetary you know civilization you know you talk about disaster recovery we're screwed if we get hit by an asteroid right you know our entire race and civilization our history our culture everything's gone you know if this planet goes away so you know, I like his visionary aspects of things and pushing technology to the to the future to get to renewable energies to become more of an interplanetary species. All that stuff to me is 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 just an incredible thing. So for me I'm a huge Tesla fan.
0: Yeah, I'm you know, I read something about Elon the other day that kind of changed my perspective on how I look at things too is is that he doesn't take a like a car or a spaceship and improve upon it. He completely destroys the whole process and builds from the ground up the yeah. way he wants to do it which is, you know, it's, you, you gotta be a visionary. You don't reinvent the wheel, you recreate the whole thing, yeah. you know? So, and, and the way of thinking like that, especially in business or, or however you're gonna take it, you don't want to just necessarily take somebody else's approach and just improve it. You might be able to find a better niche or something out there by taking it, deconstructing it and doing it your own way. Um, and that's exactly what he's done. And, and Jeff Bezos, same way, uh, you know, yeah. they have that mentality of of that. And I just think it's a really interesting way of, of uh, approaching, you know, approaching things why
1: do you things the same way somebody else has, you know, why not, why not make it your own and do it the way like he talked about how he built the first roadster, which, you know, everybody attributes to, uh, it being the Lotus frame. Right. And he said, well, yeah, he's like, that was a stupid idea. He's like, basically it was like 10% Lotus frame, because we had to basically completely chop it up and make it our own, you know, cause we, you know, we, we, you know, wanted to design it differently and do it differently. So, you know, it's, it's, it's those types of folks that really push the envelope on innovation, uh, you know, and what we're doing as a society. And, Look at that. I mean like Elon came from nothing right you know and all the way to becoming one of the richest men you know men in the world you know um you know men and women in the world you know when it comes to to uh uh what he's been able to do with with uh, Tesla and SpaceX and you know it's it's incredible to see somebody come from nothing to something because they are are that type of visionary right and that's 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 a really neat thing and I think you know we'll see the ramifications of that for generation after generation because of 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 what he's been able to accomplish one person being able to change literally how a civilization moves forward you know that, that's crazy say you're part of that right
0: yeah i mean it's it's crazy to look around now like what five seven years ago we had just teslas and now you've got what like, Porsche has the take can you've got the uh the mock e that just came out you've got a bunch of different you just completely coming out, all electric yeah i mean yeah all, everything's all electric now it's it's amazing yeah. and they're they're getting to the point where they're actually like Tesla's blown everybody out of the water for a long time, and now starting to get competitive. And I mean, competition is a good thing; it's going to drive the market, and it's going to, you know, hopefully make uh, better cars, longer ranges, et cetera. But it's uh, it's been crazy to see the development and growth as to you know what one idea can do for an industry. Yep,
1: completely agree. Yeah, well, we're we're living in the future, right? Uh, Every day the future, and uh, you know it's up to us to kind of make it where it is. And and, in information security, you know, cybersecurity, whatever you call it, uh, you know, it's a it's a never ending field that, you know, I think is, is, uh, you know, this has been a couple of rough few months uh, continues to be, I mean, we had, we had three uh, critical exposures for Chrome in the past week, two zero days dropped. Uh, you know, we have, I that's mean, going on uh, with, with, um, uh, you know, supply chain attacks and everything else. It's just, you know, a crazy world that we live in and security just continue to, to grow. And uh, to, I mean, I tell you, I love being in this industry. I love the people that are in it. I love the new folks that are coming in. It's just uh it's just a cool time to be part of this, this whole, you know, thing that we see out there. And, and obviously for what you do, for for mentoring other folks, I mean it, it's right in line with um, you know, teaching the next generation of folks coming in and, and providing them resources to be able to learn this things that we didn't have, you know, when we were coming into this industry to figure out your own. So you need a couple of frack articles, you know, things like that. And, and you yeah. know, these things together. But um, you know, it's really cool what you're doing and what, what a lot of other folks are doing as well.
0: Appreciate that. Yeah. It's one of the the questions I get asked a lot by like people coming up is, do you think cybersecurity is going to go away? You know, is it going away in five, 10 years? Is AI going to replace us? And it's like (laughs) the, the, it's a cat and mouse game, but as as defenses get better, the hackers will get better, and I don't think there's always going to be some sort of uh, you know there's always going to be some sort of hack. There's always going to be the zero day out there. There's always going to be something that's going to be exploitable. There's never going to be perfect security on anything. So if you think uh, nation
1: states are, are are slowing down their R and D for weaponization of cyber, you know, you're not looking at the news at all, right? You know, yeah, not, exactly. It might stop anytime soon.
0: Uh, so a couple more questions, and I will let you go. Yeah. Um, favorite crayon. Favorite what? favorite crayon
1: oh favorite crayon oh because i'm a marine obviously oh, yeah i <laughs> gotcha the red the red the red, red red ones are my favorite so that's my favorite crayon they, t- awesome. they taste they taste delicious <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh and you mentioned earlier on you mentioned perrysburg you said did you go to perrysburg high school or I did. yep you're a yellow jacket yeah yeah yes so i went to uh, i went to rossford not a lot of people know that but okay. that's where uh so yeah. i'm toledo i know we talked about yeah. um chatting we talked about being in cleveland but i didn't know you were in the toledo area at, at one point so yeah that's
1: interesting yeah i was in i was in uh, perrysburg for about two years uh, before i went to bedford and graduated from bedford so my my freshman and uh sophomore year i was in perrysburg so gotcha yeah. small world small man.
0: small world yeah we're probably yeah. same area same time yeah so cool well that is that's all i got for you um i appreciate you taking time awesome. to hang out today um and, and answering questions and just chatting your backstory It was really great i really appreciate it anything you want to plug while you're here
1: no, no I just want to say thank you for taking the time to to get this information out and taking the time to interview other folks and, and to kind of spread their knowledge. I, I love these types of of discussions where it's more you know about where you come up with I think you know hopefully you know people can can take those experiences and and help their own success you know in their own lives and everything else so you know obviously don't feel don't feel shy to reach out to me. I'm at hacking dave on twitter always happy to to talk to folks or to you know guide you in the right direction or things like that so you know always happy to help somebody out as well. Uh, but no, I don't have any questions, but thanks so much for having me on, man.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much.
1: Yep. Yeah, thanks.